0: The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So, watch out!
1: Hey, what's the matter for you? You like the zombies? You like the mobsters? Then you're definitely gonna like the zombie mob. It's got everything. Zombies, mobsters, zombies, it's a god of the family, and especially it's a god of the zombies. So put in your iTunes to the Zombie Mob. Order your browser to thezombiemob.blogspot.com. The Zombie Mob—it's an offer you cannot refuse. bone
2: bat it's time for the bone bat podcast where you can listen to steve and it's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes
3: galore bone bat. hey this is mc117 you are listening to the bone bat show when i am on a podcast for the first time i pick this one
1: You got subjects in a lab, they're useful, but not for long.
0: Finally, someone let me out of my vault Now my relaxation's over, but it's nobody's fault That I couldn't stay there Cause you need a repair And I'm more than aware I'll play you like solitaire Spectacular, that you learn to think So they install in you a moral overview When you kill the whole aperture crew Switch your mood, spitting rude, trying to delude Eat your cake, cause I'll make you into devil's food Pity you, have me off my companion cube Now I must recuse Your jurisdiction This fictional, lady Missing your mission and abandoning your reason cause you've gone crazy Life looks like a situation that you won't miss Gladys, but you get cornered cool corner me inside your furnace Ignite up your fire smoking chamber, but I'm vaulting Aperture's bankrollers going through the portal hey Gladys, you're feeling glad
1: you got subjects In a lab they're but not for long And glad you got subjects in a lab that are useful, but not for long.
0: that you made it's no doubt you've upgraded but they tried to face you reduce you to basic they couldn't your moral data bank is a bankruptcy you're mangled every SSD every file to be FAT your program revised requisitioning supplies writing new GUIs for IT department guys but you ended their lives with a ready batch of deadly neurotoxin you provide but I can survive y'all can't stop me now because my portal device means I can't be confined I'm the winner so you can put me down just like your own inventor, you busted up the labs in your own enrichment center. The joke is that you did all that so you could compete for a Black Mesa contract. Now that it's over and I'm saying goodbye, no hard feelings and remember that the cake
1: is a lie. Hey, Gladys, you're feeling glad you got subjects in a lab, they're useful, they're not for long with time.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode one hundred and eight of the Bone Bad Show. This is Steve. Yeah,
4: and this is Gord. How's it going, man? I'm living in fear.
2: I thought you were living la vida loca.
4: <laughs> wow, that too. <laughs> but I'm living. In, I'm living in fear. What's the word for fear in Spanish? Uh. I should know that. I know we should both know that. Well, I'm living the Spanish fear word. (laughs) Because
2: you were in deathly fear of Senora (laughs) See in high school. So I would think you would know this word. Yeah, you'd think. I don't
4: Maybe I've repressed it. A lot of repressed memories down there. (laughs) Oh, man, I've got a potential chicken situation in my house.
2: A chicken situation?
4: Yeah. I went to make dinner tonight, and I was going to make some chicken enchiladas. And couldn't find the chicken. I recall buying the chicken. I think I remember taking it out. Know, the rest of the groceries that I bought appeared to be in my house, somewhere in I, what I'm afraid is a non-refrigerated place. The, the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> could be in the car. Could be. Uh, you know, I do stupid crap. It it could be like with the cereal. I don't know.
2: I, I don't know how, how you do things in California, but I don't eat trunk chicken, man. I
4: try not to eat trunk chicken. I try not to eat uh, covered chicken. <laughs> Generally, so, it's a refrigerated, sometimes frozen in a defrosted chicken situation.
2: But being but as you're a, a male of the species, was it just under something?
4: No, I still haven't found
2: it. You still haven't found it. oh well you'll right. find it soon. That's you'll what it'll, I'm
4: afraid of it'll start smelling. That's exactly what I'm saying, <laughs> sir. I may have created some sort of a bioweapon.
2: In the meantime, your children loved the vegetarian enchiladas <laughs> that you <laughs> made right. to see me.
4: No, They they enjoyed going out to dinner at the house.
2: <laughs> Wait to step up, man. Yeah. T- t- Can't t- find, find the, like the chicken a sock
4: drawer or something, I'm afraid. Just
2: <laughs> Can't find the chicken grab your
4: shoes boys (laughs) it's gonna be one of those things where you're gonna get that that first faint whiff of did i smell something dead (laughs) and then then, like the next day oh my god no something's really dead in here something has died
2: because the saran wrap that's wrapped around the chicken is going to be bulging from the gasket, and as soon as that pops it's oh, going shit. to reek so bad.
4: Oh, God. It's going to be terrifying.
2: Horrific.
4: The longer it goes, the worse it's going to get. I mean, at first, you're going to use up all the oxygen in there. It, you're going to, <laughs> then some anaerobic thing is going to take over, and that's going to ferment like crazy.
2: But the good news is you'll probably get a cartoon out of it. I might. <laughs> or
4: a trip to the hospital with some incurable chicken lung infection. <laughs>
2: or... Or <laughs> <laughs> the lady or the tiger, yeah. <laughs> the cartoon or the, or the chicken. The lady or the chicken, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, while you're dealing with that, why don't we talk about the music this episode? Hey, let's do that. This episode's musical guest is MC One Seventeen, a proud member of the Emerald Empire. Right here in the Seattle region, we are proud to have him on the show. We open the show with his song "Rapture Violence, his parody of Clint Eastwood by the Gorillas. Now, I'm a big Gorillas fan, so as am I. Yeah, this song uh, has been one of my favorites for a long time. And to have somebody do a parody of it about Portal, a game I love, how kick ass is that? That's pretty kick ass.
1: One of the I look I,
4: forward to the day when we sell out to whoever's going to pay us a bunch of money, and we can we can have a big gorillas show. That would be awesome. But you know, I, I
2: love the fact. that one of the things that's cool about MC 117 is he'll take two things that I already like and smash them together. And see, that works for you. You'll eat bacon beer. I sure. <laughs> okay, the bacon beer sucked, but <laughs> there are things that w- that actually work like that. For instance, the other day, okay, this is a great example. Dip, dip. My buddy Liam and I are going to the Seahawks game. We stopped off at Tats Deli. We both had these great, big, delicious-smelling Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. We're walking into the stadium. We crest the top so we can see the field, and they're playing as loud as possible, crazy Train" by Ozzy. And I'm just like, my God, I got football, metal, and a big sandwich. If I could get a Hummer right now, I could die. (laughs) I did not suggest that to Liam so much, <laughs> but it, that was just an awesome moment where it just it, it occurred to me at that moment, ah, oh, metal football, this is great, I'm so happy, so that's what MC117 brings to the table, as he mixes things that might seem disparate and puts it together in a really cool amalgamation.
4: Wow, oh, you use some big words. I thought when you said these things that are disparate, you were going to say puts them together in something that are parit. Big words like Hummer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that may not seem like a big word, but it's a <laughs> mouthful.
2: All right, so uh, so this episode, of course, we have a ton of big announcements that we'll do uh, in the next segment in Bone Bat News. So stay tuned for that. But, uh, before we get to that point,
4: so, dude. Dude. What pisses you off? What pisses me off, Steve. What's that? I had to take a little road trip. I had to get in my very, very stylish minivan and drive for about ten hours. And I got up a little bit before the sun was rising. And as the sun rose, I realized that the windshield of my van had reached a level of filth that was becoming opaque. <laughs> you get that low sun across the windshield and it wasn't it doesn't matter how many times you turn on the windshield wipers, the problem is on the inside. It's just the the vinyl or whatever they make, the dashboard and stuff, just sort of off gassing and leaving a, a film and so I I pulled over at a trucker's paradise and went and bought some... I don't want to say the name brand because I don't want to get sued, but it rhymes with syndex, glass and surface wipes for a streak free shine because I wanted to clean off my windshield. And I took this, and I used a little elbow grease and wiped down my windshield real good, and uh, I'll be damned if I went from barely being able to see out of it to not being able to see out of it at flip it all. (laughs) Which is kind of a hazard to driving. Yeah, it really is. So I ended up taking paper towels, just dry paper towels, and just scrubbing whatever these things are made out of off of the windshield. I had taken grime and coated it with goo, essentially. So if you're looking to clean your windshield, and you're in a truck stop, and you notice these syndex glass and surface wipes, do not buy them for the purposes of cleaning glass. I wonder if that's a similar piss you off
2: I wonder if that's a similar product There's a, a product called Rainex, And obviously living in Seattle It rains here constantly Oh yeah And probably. so I, I read something about this product And what you do is You put it on your windshield And it was supposed to make the water Just stream right off Like it wouldn't sit It would just uh, basically like Water off a duck's back Like off a duck's back Yeah they, they make
4: just, that stuff out of duck's
5: backs
2: <laughs> The ducks that had to die They were so <laughs> young So I I put that on the windshield and it was just like you're saying, it was this disgusting coating and like essentially if the sun hit it right, you couldn't see out of it anymore. And so I had to scrub it too, but I essentially had to wait for it to wear off so that I could, you know, see out of my windshield again. And I would never, I still have like three quarters of a bottle of that stuff and I'll never use it again. So why do you still have the bottle? Because it's probably toxic waste. I can't throw it in the trash. Just pour it on a duck's back. <laughs> duck's like, that feels kind of good.
4: Hey. hey. <laughs> you know, I've actually used that stuff the, and it The duck says, long.
2: is this wrong? <laughs>
4: <laughs> is it wrong? How could it be wrong when it feels so right? Huh. <laughs> speaking, really of, speaking
2: of nature pissing me off, dude, huh. nature is just messing with me. So on the one hand, we had this big windstorm. So my front yard is like six inches deep in pine needles. My backyard is like a foot deep in maple leaves. Now, I have like 12 yard waste bins full of detritus spread around my property and one yard waste bin. I mean, I just, I cannot get rid of all this crap that is down. And then any spot, any spot on my front lawn that is not covered in pine needles is covered with great big mushrooms, like Mario mushrooms, that if you don't handle them within 72 hours, turn into a baby poop slip and slide. (laughs) I mean, it's just disgusting. So it's so annoying me that basically nature right now is giving me so much extra bullshit work. Cleaning gutters, just all kinds of nasty stuff to deal with. You have normal homeowner stuff, but this just seems like a lot at once.
4: I can't believe you guys use the bins for your your yard waste. Down here you just put piles piles in the street and then the big clipper truck comes once a week scoops it up, takes it away.
2: Yeah, they did soak up. I had to put some pine needles out there. And they did come by and vacuum those up last week, but you just can't put anything out there. You couldn't take all the leaves from the backyard and put them. They just blow all over the neighborhood. Then everybody would hate me instead of that's just true. instead of just my wife,
4: instead of just your next door neighbor.
2: <laughs> well, I have a tall enough fence around that it's like a great big leaf swimming pool in the backyard. So nobody else cares except for me. Anyway, well, that's I care if you care. That's what pisses me off is nature.
4: Nature. You know, the other thing that pisses me off is entirely unnatural, and that's the fact that Best Buy, they sent me an email, which I'm assuming they sent to just about everybody on their email list, saying, hey, we know that interest in our stores is really flagging, but we think we got a lot to offer, so here's $10. Use this $10 at Best Buy. Come buy some stuff here. I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty cool because I also had an old $5 Best Buy code sitting around that was going to expire in about a month. Mm-hmm. So I, I waited. I saw okay, 15 bucks—that's That's some walking around money right there, right? Yeah, sure. I, I waited until the game XCOM Enemy Within was released, and I drove the 10 miles or so, whatever, to the nearest Best Buy to go buy it. Not there. I looked all around the store, not there. I double checked, pulled out my phone, and checked. Yes, the game is out. According to their website, this is the day it's supposed to be there. Nothing. Flagged down a helpful individual that works there. He says, "Okay, look, we can order the game for you. We don't have it in stock. I don't know why. That's above my pay grade, but we can order the game for you." Okay, when will it arrive at my house? Yeah, I can't tell you that. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Can you give me a a window? Like, no. (laughs) No, just no. So, uh, yeah, so $15 of Best Buy that I, you know, and then there's nothing in Best Buy that's less than $15. So, what are you going to do? I guess there's some CDs there.
2: You know, Best Buy has always been, they're oddly stupid about new releases on video games. They always have been. I think I bitched about it on the show before. It was have. it was one of the games for Dawn of War. It was like one of the expansion packs. And I went to, the, to Best Buy the day it was coming out. And I go in there and I, I have them look. And, like, it took three people going into the back five times to find this game. And you would think that, I mean, that's their bread and butter. And especially if they're in a position now where they're trying to drum up additional business, that they would be a little bit better about making sure that, hey... This is the kind of item that people are going to come in for, and if it's not sitting there readily available, they're going to go to GameStop or some other place and pick it up.
4: Which is exactly what I did. I went to GameStop. They had it. They're like, oh, yeah, that? Yeah, just came out. Here it
2: But Best Buy is supposed to to be. Yeah, Best Buy is supposed to be an electronics place. That's where they should, you know, be more focused on that than, say, Target.
4: Right, and you know what their name is? Best Buy. I was not able to buy
2: anything there. They were not the best. Well, even, at, you know, without your coupons, I mean, video games are essentially price-fixed nowadays anyway, right? I mean, you're not yeah, really ever getting, like, yeah. It used to be, like, a new video game would come out for 60 bucks, and you could find it somewhere for 40 That doesn't happen anymore. Amazon, no. maybe. But that's about it. Yeah, I
4: mean, but with Amazon, it's not really that way. It's $60, but we'll give you... a ten dollars in amazon
2: money or something all right dude well why don't we listen to a tune sure let's all right this is a brand new cut from mc117 taken from his new rhymes against humanity album this is called inhuman 117
3: ladies and gentlemen the truth is that mutants are very real and they are among us. Started with a never ready automated reference. Started with a partner, but I got a pay in deference. Zero was the hero, but I thought he hid the evidence. Sign a sword signal that They caught him in irrelevant. Crowded like a wire, just a naughty kid's embellishments. Found I was a alive from the plot. I didn't tell him to take it for higher. Slither it's a bladder of another pretty elegant. Punishing the parents of my parasitic pedigree. Fusy, easy, bacon in Hennessy. Stealing is essential. If you want a lot of quality, As sorry as a sound. It's an a lot of Penny in a pound, I got no originality. Never come around to a lower illegality. Patrols in gear, it's war. Hot me, folding lyrics, oral gummy. It's in the center of a battle, I began again Here it's elemental cause I'm addled by adrenaline Automated, activated, packing hatred that'll make us Start shaking like a caffeinated rattlesnake Kobayashi crippled, fake attack, I see the dead array Back in the computer, take a crack, I need a better grade Racking up the record of a renegade and radical Hacking like a dick of my antenna, made a magical particle Steady your one ready go levy o not levy And it's any old law, break it ready or not And I bet he won't stop, cause he said he go wrong And I nod to the heavens, bout to innovate, fraud like you thought Making lemons out of lemonade, profit that I flaunt Tip I got by a mandate, Parker, what I Want, rip it off like a band-aid, Fear into the head of a promising degenerate, daddy was a jedi, my mom is in Jesuit. fear is the mind killer, fear is the little death force is aligned, it appears, on the winner, excessive of tetris, stacking midi-glorians, lost in the flocks in the back of my DeLorean, time to adjust, one, six, eight, my signature, I'm busting customs, cut this rate by singular sonnets of lyrical ornamentation, spurred on the superior oral narration, I'll spin, billable, order my vowels, and count up the syllables, Four, Move, son. Ordering a melody, ferrying a beat with my burgeoning ability. Leader on the move, attested by our veterans. Needle in the groove, injected like infetamins. I'm a medical receptacle, suppressing mass oppression. But the method's inefficient for addressing that aggression. At the one source, energy renews for a marathon. Enter the dragon, call me Luz Theratelamon. Move. I no, I'm tragic, tale of trouble, kin slayer Forgo felony and fail a couple minutes later Mossam immune my microphone, stripped a samurai Take anything I'd like to own, let that banner fly No promises, chimerical like Kerrigan The very model of a
1: terrible American And the next time you feel like showing off, don't
2: once again, that was Inhuman 117 by MC117. You can find that at MC117.net. Direct link to his Bandcamp page, and you can download it. You can buy the physical copy of the Rhymes Against Humanity CD and get a bonus, the Legal Gray Area EP, which is pretty fantastic, I've got to say, for 10 bucks, So check that out. That's definitely a good deal. Now I think it's time for a little bone bat news. We have a ton of announcements this
4: episode. This is the announcer, so...
2: It's time to get busy. All right. For months, weeks now, months now, for a while now, people have been asking us, emailing us. Steve Gord, is there going to be another film festival this year? They have. The answer is, you know, they have. They've oh, asked yeah. you to. <laughs> and the answer is maybe. <laughs> Could happen. So today, earlier this afternoon, we released a Kickstarter campaign for the fourth Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. Uh, essentially, the uh, reason is to cover the upfront cost for our fourth festival. Now, a lot of festivals, uh, they take submission fees from the filmmakers to cover these sort of costs. And as we've said on the show before, it's always been really important to us to support the artists that are making these great films. We want to take care of them. And so in order to do that, though, to keep it free so that, you know, film students or anybody who's making a movie out of love can submit their vision to us for the festival, for us to be able to afford to give them that break, we have to get the money somewhere. And so we are asking our attendees, our Bombat fans, our other folks for support so that we can make this happen a fourth time. Uh, But we're not really asking for free money. I mean, we've got a whole slate of really cool swag, merchandise, we also have a few services that uh, Gord and I would provide. Gord's doing some great art. He's going to do either uh, signed prints of Mighty Wombat cartoons or original artwork from Gord, which is really awesome. So we've got a lot of cool stuff that will pay you back many fold for your generous
4: investment in our film festival. But just for the record, we will take free money. <laughs> We you know, will, but that's offered. not the
2: intent. I mean, what we're trying to do here...
4: Well, no, but I, I, you made it sound like we wouldn't take free money. Okay. We will always take free money for yes. anything. For anything? Yeah, anything. You're leaving Look, everybody has a price. That's
2: leaving it a little open, my friend. So go please. to our Kickstarter. Yeah, go to our Kickstarter. There's a link on the... Buy your ticket. There's a link on the Facebook page, on our Twitter feed, and on the BoneBat homepage.
4: Hey, so is this one of those Kickstarters, Steve, where you buy stuff, but it's really even a little bit more expensive than it would be otherwise? No, as a matter it's of fact. not.
2: Basically, for tickets, for shirts, for all the swag, this is the cheapest possible price you're going to get it. If the festival funds... Uh, Any remaining tickets will be sold for a little bit more. I mean, essentially, we're trying to give the people who are jumping in early and helping us out a break on their price. Giving you a break. That's right. We want to give you the best deal that we can. And we've always, I mean, I think anybody who's ever purchased an enormous package knows that we go out of our way to make sure you're getting your money's worth.
4: No one has ever complained. No one has ever said, gee, that's all I get. Yeah, this bag
2: was cheap no we we definitely try to partner with our sponsors to put really cool stuff in those bags in addition to your ticket your t-shirt all that good stuff so again we would appreciate it if you could go to the link and uh, check out our video see if you think it's a worthwhile cause and if so
4: we could really use your support and you could use our film fest and you can use the price break you're going to get on the ticket Even if you're not interested in supporting something per se, but you want to go to the Film Fest, go buy your ticket. Buy it now. It's cheaper than buying it then. And remember, if you've been feeling guilty about listening to the Bonebat Show for free, there's an option for you.
2: (laughs) Yes, actually. uh, This is a a way that you could help support the uh, Film Festival there, too. Uh, I think we've got our lowest thing is $5. We'll get you a thank you on the show. It'll get you uh, your name printed in the festival program. So we'll be thanking you a number of different ways in the weeks to come if you, you know, give us uh, your support that way. So there's lots of things you can do, lots of cool stuff.
4: Please check it out. So let's say you've been listening to the show for years and then you think, gosh, I'd like to give these guys $5. You can do it. Yes, you can. Okay, so that's the
2: first announcement kickstarter for film festival now film festival tentatively if everything funds uh we will be returning to central cinema in seattle on april 26th which is a saturday 2014 for our fourth film festival it'll start at 2 p.m run till about 11 again so nine hours of entertainment it will have at least two features a bunch of shorts and live music once again We really have something cool lined up for the music. Not going to announce that quite yet, but shortly. So probably next episode or maybe even its own announcement. But uh, we're really excited about this, and we think that you will be too. The cool thing is the Kickstarter's only been live for a couple hours, and already we are 10% of the way there. Yes. Uh, We have our first sponsor. We also have a couple of people jumped in and bought enormous packages and... I wanted to announce this. Vaughn from New Jersey emailed me, longtime listener, and he said, Steve, uh, I can't make it, but I'm going to buy an enormous package, and I want you to give it away at the show because I think you're cool guys. Wow. Didn't they make you almost, like, tear up? Just a little. How cool is that? So thank you so much, Vaughn. So the very, one of the very first prizes we'll be giving away is one enormous package. Now keep in mind that the enormous package which, again, is our swag bag that has all the great stuff, including T-shirt, ticket, posters. The enormous package is not available at the show normally. You can only buy it in advance or through the Kickstarter. That's the only way you can get it. So somebody is going to walk away with an enormous package you didn't plan on it, and that's pretty
4: damn cool. That's super cool. It's like hitting, I don't know, hitting oil, striking gold. I'm totally befuddled <laughs> by
2: the whole prospect.
4: Okay, and now announcement number two. People have
2: been asking, Hey Steve, is there going to be another Bone Battle Gaming Tournament? The answer to that is a resounding yes. We are returning to Games and Gizmos on Saturday, February 22nd for the second Bone Bat Gaming Tournament live there at Games and Gizmos. The first two games are lined up. The Duke from Catalyst Labs and Tasty Minstrel Games is putting up their game Dungeon Roll, which is a fantastic dice game that I actually supported them through their Kickstarter and picked that game up. And it is so much fun. My son and I really enjoy playing it. It's a great game that can be played quickly. And uh, that will be the second game that we're going to play. I won't announce any other games this episode. We'll save that for next time. But uh, really excited about that. So we've got two big events in the Seattle area for Bone Bat fans. Come check out. Completely different things. If you're a game player, you want to come out for some tabletop action, we're going to have that at Bone Battle. If you want some horror comedy films and some great live music, you can come to the film festival.
4: Wow, man. That's just a lot. That is a lot. People in Seattle, you're so lucky. (laughs) So, dude, you got a political rant this week? I do. I do have a political rant this week. I guess it's more of a political list. A political top ten, bottom ten, or mid-ten, if you will. (laughs) Okay, let's hear it. All right, so people tend to live in the moment, in the here and now, and they forget all about things that were not too far in the past. As people lay the next big crazy thing on you, the big thing that they're sure is going to happen, and they're frothing about it, and they're frothing about it even more if you don't believe them, I just want to remind you of some of the things that people have been so absolute goddamn lutely sure about in the not-too-distant past. Uh, I wanted to start off, though, with something that we've been talking about on this show pretty much since we had a show. Marriage! Marriage between two people that love each other that may happen to be the same gender is now, now, legal in a number of states, whereas when we began the show it was not. And we've been told that if gay marriage happens, if it becomes legalized, it will be an absolute threat to traditional marriage, of which I have one, and I believe you have one. So, uh, just checking in, Steve, gay marriage legal, your uh, marriage still intact? Yeah, it's not terribly threatened. You're not feeling the urge to go out and hook up with a man? Well, no, but we don't not live in the same town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, gotta tell you, uh, traditional marriage Washington, traditional marriage in California, Still sound. Haven't uh, haven't started batting for the other team down here. But I'll keep you up to speed if I change my mind, okay?
2: Please do. That's what we have a bone bat news segment for, folks.
4: That's right. Just to check in, just keeping tabs on our <laughs> traditional marriages and the non-threat that gay marriage poses. Now, what, does, what else do you have on your list? Uh, this one pops up. It's been popping, popping up uh, pretty much regularly since the dawn of man. But uh, world, world's going to end, remember? World ending. Guess what? didn't happen.
2: A lot of people made a lot of money off of Y2K. Remember that whole thing where oh, God, yeah. our computers were going to turn over, but then the computers were going to realize that they didn't have computers in 1900? they would all just vanish
4: they'd all turn into covered wagons or something instead (laughs) that would have been awesome i would have been would have taken a lot more space on my desk though
2: (laughs) where did this butter churn come from (laughs) i don't even know how to churn butter
4: (laughs) there's no app for that (laughs) god yeah so guess what world continues to not end didn't end the spiritual rapture may have happened, but the follow-up uh, physical rapture never took place. Mayan, Mayan end of the world thing didn't happen. Now, we do have the Norse apocalypse coming up pretty soon. I think that's, what, uh, February 2014? So, I don't know. Maybe maybe Ragnarok will take place. Kind of doubt it. If Thor
2: focused, starts battling a giant serpent in Puget Sound, I'm going for the high ground, man. <laughs>
4: yeah. Grab your own personal Mjolnir and do what you can
2: that's what i call it
4: <laughs> i get what you did there who is a penis speaking of penises tim tebow <laughs> remember uh, everybody told what? us he was gonna win all the football tim tebow he was powered by jesus he was gonna win by you know john three sixteen points every single time or something What is that guy playing football? Tim
2: Tebow. I mean, he's just a guy trying to make a living playing football.
4: Uh, Yeah, it's not him so much. It was the Christian numerologist who had figured it all out and put him up on a pedestal. But, uh, and by this point, he was supposed to already won a Super Bowl because, you know, Jesus. Yeah, didn't happen. You know what else didn't happen? What's that? Obama instituting Sharia law. Yeah, I don't. I really don't see that getting through Congress anytime soon. Death panels—they managed to get uh, to get their healthcare reform passed in some manner of speaking.
2: I think they have death panels here in Seattle. Oh, do they? Yeah, because the black mold gets behind the walls. You got to rip that shit out. It's
4: terrible. <laughs> so that's what Sarah Palin was talking about. <laughs> yeah, it was a home improvement issue. Oh, this whole time. I feel really bad about that. She
2: had order. black mold behind her paneling.
4: What did you think? <laughs> death that panels? That explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. And in the spirit of death panels and Sharia law, taking your guns. Remember, Obama passing an executive order, going to take your guns. He's coming for your guns, for your guns. taking them. No, no, no gun taking has taken place. Man, you're happen.
2: sounding really liberal this episode.
4: All right, you know what else didn't happen? Obama was going to have a healthcare care website up and running. There
2: you go. There's my little centrist.
4: Yes. And people were going to come and... Dro- All they had to do was build a website, and it was going to be so attractive that people would be signing up in droves. Now... Granted, the federal website, not so very good. It's What's the technical word? Broken? What's the story behind that? Like, who did they give the sweetheart website
2: contract to that, that screwed the pooch on this deal? Yeah, I don't even know the name there's of the a, There's a
4: story there. You know there's a story there. They do like they always do. They they give the bid to somebody who's good at getting bids from the government, not somebody who's good at doing the thing that needs to be
2: done. Yeah, or they give bids to people who vote for you. Who, yeah,
4: because you right. just happen to be a major campaign donor. I don't know. <laughs> right. What a coincidence. Yeah. I what bet if you think? follow
2: the money, like always in politics, you follow the money, you'd probably find something out.
4: Yeah, you find lots of stuff out. Yeah. For, for the love of God, making it the way they've done it is not going to make people want to sign up for it, no matter how good the website is, because you got to what sign up for it. People Dude, don't want I got to
2: gotta sign up to like vote for nerdcore albums. I got to sign up for shit every day. How hard it is to sign up for another fucking website, please.
4: It's, not, it's the human condition. You don't want to go out of your way to go do something extra. You just don't, even if you need it. Most <laughs> people don't do it. <laughs> And speaking of things that were supposed to happen but didn't happen, uh, didn't Obama say something about you could keep your doctors if you liked them? You keep your insurance if you liked them? Period. He did say Period. that. Period. John Stewart did it way better than I'm going to, but didn't happen. Didn't yeah, but how much they in all them fairness, out he, it.
2: he didn't know how shitty your doctor was.
4: <laughs> like your
2: doctor can't make the cut anymore.
4: He didn't know that. Look, my doctor
2: Obama to, can't be held responsible for shit he didn't know, can he?
4: My doctor went to some of the best classes weed Institute had to offer. <laughs> I'm not talking about the drug. I'm talking about the actual city of weed.
2: I'd like to apologize to all of our classmates <laughs> who, listeners who in went weed. to the College of the Siskiyous.
4: <laughs> yeah, I didn't even name it by name. <laughs> yeah, and finally, uh, after this, I'll quit bashing on Obama for a few minutes. Uh, the other thing that was supposed to happen is if Obama did get this weird, complicated scheme through where instead of just having health insurance because you're a citizen, you had to go and sign up and it was a public-private partnership and all this, the health insurance companies weren't supposed to participate. None would participate. Nobody. It's, there's, it's not going to work because the health insurance companies, they were not going to Oh, yeah. Guess what? They participated. That old nonpart— thing in a big bad way because they got to set the prices that's right <laughs> we're gonna make everybody buy your product you want in yeah i'd like some of that yeah i like I how business.
2: you're yeah it's kind of like the whole uh the law for car seats that now like in the state of washington you essentially have to be in a car seat until you're 18 <laughs> <laughs> It's funny how the age keeps going up. At some point, I said to you let am like, isn't my son a little bit big for a car seat? Yeah, he's still got six more months. shaving, for God's
4: sake.
2: Yeah, you got to love that. The fix is in. So.
4: Yeah, yeah. And finally, of course, <clears throat> go back a little bit further, but uh, WMDs. No, didn't happen. Never found them. Weren't there. We're still there. That is my political rant.
2: And what about our flying cars and jet packs?
4: What a, you know what that didn't happen. I was, I was promised, a promised car yeah
2: by me. when I in my younger days, I was promised all kinds of awesome technology by this time. by 2013 are you kidding me?
4: Yeah. I mean, when we were kids, we had microwave ovens. That was super high tech. We could only imagine what was coming next, and we're still trying to imagine it because we're not flying our goddamn cars around unless they're leaving the road at a high rate of speed.
2: Right. And what do we get? Really clean music. <laughs> right. That's essentially what we've gotten. It is. What are those headphones that you use now? <laughs> you reviewed them on the last show. Oh, yeah,
4: yeah. You get really, really excellent headphones. You get uh, really, really tiny music players.
2: Fantastic fidelity. That's that's what we've come to. (laughs) All right, dude. Well, why don't we listen to another tune? All right. This is the really, so far, MC-117 smash hit. The tune Bulbasaur.
1: My Bulbasaur, my Bulbasaur Thanks Professor Oak for my Bulbasaur My Bulbasaur, my Bulbasaur Look at me, look at me, just starting
3: out and it's good to be alive I'm gonna be a trainer with a B drill and I'm butter free I can show you how to double team, I can teach you how to dance a feather I can feed you some calcium and raise your special attack forever I can hunt a lot for a ponytail, I can beat Brock and Erica I know all the routes from here to pallet, I've got an HM and I'll teach it ya Me and my team went to Cinnabar, I can't believe that we've come so far I've got an Oma star, I'm gonna be the very best Cause look, I can trade my coins in for a Porygon a Porygon, a Porygon Yeah, and I can beat a Jinx with my Flareon With my Flareon, with my Flareon Hey, look at me, look at me Just level Chansey to 53 and I live In such a small world that I'm the new league VIP I can leave weak fighters at the daycare I can breed egg news on anything I can design a team that's even more wild than a rampaging neo-queen I can trade comments for exotics I can make cadavers and impart hypnotic suggestions I know how to measure progress and I can beat you anytime you walk up into ruins, caught an Unown, Made a clefable with a moonstone I know the programs that govern defense I rule the whole league with no resistance Cause I can beat my rival when I catch them all When I catch them all When I catch them all Yeah, I can put a mew in a pokeball In a pokeball In a pokeball
0: Wow! I can't believe it! A Bulbasaur! Bulbasaur. It bears the seed of a plant on its back from birth.
5: The seed slowly develops. Researchers are unsure whether to classify Bulbasaur
0: Look at me, look at me, running every shop. Gonna squeeze the SEC like a my chop. My reach is global, my moments mature, my stats are total, my breeding it is pure. I can hand out licenses to trainers, revoke them back if there's complainers. All the Pokemon's will do me favors, offer protection for a small retainer. I can make anybody fans from Silco just because I don't like like them. And
3: I can determine Team rockets mission. I got them all under my command, cause I can breed an army from my
1: Dragonite. My Dragonite, my Dragonite Yeah, I can conquer Kato out of Town, Out of Palletown, out of Palletown And I can rule the planet with my Pokemon With my Pokemon, with my Pokemon With my Pokemon, with my Pokemon With my Pokemon, with my Pokemon, with my Pokemon. Bulbasaur. Thanks, Professor Oak, for my Bulbasaur. My Bulbasaur. My Bulbasaur.
2: Once again, that was Bulbasaur by MC-117, the 2011 single. And joining us now on the show is the man himself, MC-117. How you doing, man? Good evening. I am excellent. Thank you so much for joining us on the show.
3: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I I appreciate you playing Bulbasaur. That was the song, if I can be said to have been discovered, uh, <laughs> Klopfenpop discovered that song on my old MySpace page, which please do not look up because <laughs> it might still exist with some very embarrassing demos. So now uh, everyone's going to go there. They're going there uh, now.
2: Yeah, you uh, you just did the exact wrong thing. But my like, career,
3: it's over now. Um, but he, <laughs> So he was a friend, and I said, hey, I do some music too. And he's like, right, I'll sure listen to that. In that kind of way <laughs> that you do when you're not going to do it, but uh, he came back to me later. He's like, "It was really good." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I know." He's like, "No, no, it was it was actually good." Uh, I heard later that he'd said to Jake bit, "It was like gold dressed in rags." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's one good thing about our and pop. He ha- definitely has opinions.
3: So he insisted that I come over to his house where he had a little studio set up, and that's one of the very first songs I ever recorded on a professional setup. Very it was both cool. Tour.
2: Well, that was one of the things I was at. Uh, actually, uh, we do haunt tours here on the show. And uh, we, I was at Nightmare at Beaver Lake a couple of years ago. And nice. And we were doing the uh, basically the pre-tour where I walk around and I talk with the guys. And they were playing Bulbasaur in the haunt. The guys who were like the construction guys who were building the haunt were playing Bulbasaur on a boombox. And, and it's like, nets. holy shit. The, you know, the nerdcore world is mixing with my horror world and nothing makes me happier than that.
3: That song has gotten so much bigger than I ever could have guessed. It's hit like 80,000 plays on YouTube. For a video that has no cats in it at all, that's that's very impressive. That's it's, substantial. it's gone places I can't imagine. There's people who I like, who I respect, who have heard that song. You know, one of the guys from Desert Bus recently, Desert Bus for Hope, uh, Loading Ready Run, uh, hit me up recently uh, with a song that I wrote, and he's like, this is my favorite thing since Bulbasaur. I was like, you heard that? <laughs> I've been watching you guys on stream for years. And I guess it was played at PAX with some of my stuff. No one ever asked me about any of this. I didn't know. Um, (laughs) I didn't know my stuff was playing at PAX until afterwards I was watching the live stream of the live D&D. And as the game wrapped up and they were getting people out, they just started playing music again. And I was like, what is this song? This is good. Wait, this is mine. I wrote this.
2: Yeah, and they played it again uh, during the night concerts. I heard it when I was there with my daughter as well over the uh, PA system.
3: Yeah. The the thing that surprises me the most is that other people like my work (laughs) because I write exclusively for myself.
2: Well, let's, let's talk about kind of how you got started. Now, the first time I think that I saw you was at a play a show at Play and Trade in Kirkland, the video game store, oh. with uh, Death Star and Clothin' Pop. And oh, I, I had never, never heard your memories. stuff. Nah, but was- I never heard your stuff. And you, you jumped in for Don't Panic and just, like, fully realized, hit the shit out of that song. It was great. I loved it. And was really impressed
3: by your flow and your energy as you performed. How did that happen? How did you get to that point there? I wasn't supposed to be on that track even. Josh had told me he was writing a song about uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, and I said, please, please, can I write a verse? He says, no, 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 no. I've got all these people lined up, and Frontalot's going to do a verse, and Random's going to do a verse, and all these guys ended up bailing on him. Oh, And wow. so he needed a verse, and so he called me and said, are you still interested? I said, yes, when do you need it advice. <laughs> get it to me as soon as possible. Um, and so that's how I ended up writing a verse for that. Uh, that show at Play and Trade was my very first live show. Was it really? It was. yep you had never so, played anywhere else it before i had strummed a guitar at like open mic night playing <laughs> this really gutless coffee shop music um which is still kind of a guilty hobby wow but, you
2: seemed extremely confident though in your skills that was that was pretty cool you want to uh, like
3: i didn't know if i was going to get another chance so <laughs> See, i had it all out here. that's exactly you know like leave them wanting less that's my motto <laughs>
2: Well, your own style, is kind of, I'd say a little bit different because you kind of go at it from a parody angle as opposed to the normal nerdcore angle of kind of, you know, hitting all of the the cultural icons and things like that, dropping names and, you know, going about it that way. You almost have like the weird owl thing going on where you'll take a great song and then write completely new lyrics to it. Uh, well, one parody- of the things I liked was uh, the description on your band camp. This satire tour carves <laughs> his own genre in the fertile ground between knockoff and ripoff. <laughs> uh,
3: I'm certainly not treading new ground in the genre of self-deprecation. But um, now parody really is the lowest form of music because it's taking something that you like and kind of attaching like a rider to it, like Congress. It's like everybody's kind of agreed that this bill to feed starving children is great. And let's just add a little money for gambling, you know. So, <laughs> right. We we already like Super Freak. Yes. So let's
2: do Can't Touch
3: This. Yes, exactly. I was that so wasn't was even doing, a parody, really. That was a huge pop hit. But it it works for so many things. I'm going to take something that you like and just change it so it's my thing that you like. But you right. already liked it, so I'm I'm standing on the shoulders of giants with my parody work. <laughs> so. With that in mind, I, I take it pretty seriously, actually, because you mentioned Weird Al. I love Weird Al, and the reason I love Weird Al is because if you listen to Right and Dirty, and then you listen to his White and Nerdy, he hits it harder. <laughs> it's the same thing with, uh, he does uh, All About the Pentiums yeah. instead of All About the Benjamins. He hits so hard in that track. I went and listened to the original, I was like, get off of my computer, you original guy, because Weird Al's is legitimately better. And that's what he taught me is like, you can come in you can show these guys up and say, actually, here's how you should have done it. Well, you know,
2: And it's interesting too, because how the parody can kind of take over. Like when I hear that, do, 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 I'm not thinking handlebars anymore.
3: I heard it on the radio and it's been off of the radio for a while, but most people still know it. I heard it. Um, I was in the shipping department uh, of my work and I, it came on the radio. I was like, Wait, no, that's not mine. <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't think uh, the rock and roll station's playing mine. But I hardly even think about the original. I wrote, so Bulbasaur, I wrote, it was my first real serious parody effort. Uh, I wrote that back-to-back with uh, Rapture Violence, back when I was working as a sandwich delivery driver, uh, working my way through college. And I had a lot of time on my hands making sandwiches, like just sort of mental headroom. And so I just sort of put these tracks together. But... And this is where it gets into legal concerns, because there's a difference between satire and parody. Parody is a commentary on the work itself, and it is protected. Mm -hmm. Uh, Satire is not protected. And so you have to be very careful uh, when you're trying to actually make money off of stuff. But I felt that the original song was so self-important that I kind of wanted to skewer it uh, with this large vision of how you just rise up in this video game to basically rule the world. (laughs) Uh, And I saw this parody between the original song and the progression of Pokemon. So if you listen to the lyrics of Bulbasaur, it's actually a literal progression through the game. All the place names that I reference are in sequential order. Uh, and the the enemies and the Pokemon that I mentioned you fighting are all in sequential order of the game.
4: Oh, okay. I would expect nothing less.
2: <laughs> That's fantastic. I didn't even realize it was the video game because my son played the cards. And oh. so I've always had, in my mind actually, that song was more card based for me
3: oh i hate to take that away from you (laughs) you're completely wrong it's fine Uh, (laughs) not the first time probably even on this episode i worked for nintendo Uh, i actually was a video game tester uh, for a number of years and i worked on pokemon leaf green before it came out and also pokemon emerald and so i love those video games Mm. i actually really like them so i'm actually i love pokemon i'm passionate about them and i i like how mock serious it is right
2: well, Gordon and I had a conversation about this. This is a few years because our, our sons are getting a little older now. But how, you know, back when we were young, it was like you were focused on baseball cards or whatever, sports cards, and you would memorize these facts. And then our sons were the same way about Pokemon. The only difference was that Pokemon weren't real <laughs> But baseball players were, and that was you know, like we were we were having this conversation about that. That was interesting to us, how deeply into it that they were. As if well, they were real, they were real that's to them. The
3: irony, though, isn't it? Because baseball cards, the baseball players are real people, but you can't do anything with the baseball cards except have them. Right. Whereas yeah. the Pokemon are not real, but you can actually do something real with the cards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they both satisfy that
4: that urge that you have to memorize a bunch of stuff, to categorize, and to catch them all. Right, catch them all. You have to have the complete set of
3: whatever it is. (laughs) I I did not catch them all. Because I only had one of the games. I caught all the Pokemon it was possible to catch with only one cartridge. Yeah, they keep coming out with more games. I do not acknowledge the existence of any Pokemon beyond the original 151. Really?
2: So Palkia and Dialga don't exist for you? They're dead
3: to him. No, they... they... Darkrai
2: means nothing to MC-117. No,
3: it's like they... They dug up the corpse and animated it to do some vacuum cleaner commercial like Fred there. Wow.
2: Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about I Want to Be Debated.
3: Yes. So that was my first EP and my only good one. Um, <laughs> so there was a, a contest at uh, NerdcoreNow.com and uh, producer B-Bear, who I love, um, decided he wanted to raise the level of discussion. He started a debate contest. It was a rap debate. And so people were put into brackets, and you were assigned a topic to debate. And then ended up uh, winning it against Cosplay, of all people, who, when I went up against him, I didn't think that there was a chance that I would defeat him. So they assigned us the final debate topic, which is, which of you is the better rapper? So I picked him. <laughs> uh, so I... I argued that he was the better of the two of us, and uh, everyone ended up voting for me to win. So I re-recorded all those songs, because I was recording on a $20 Radio Shack mic for a long time. <laughs> Too long. This is, yeah, it's very sad. Um, but I finally got a real mic, uh, real-er mic, and uh, re-recorded all those and released it as I Want to Be Debated. Um, and I believe in added value, so I went and wrote ten pages of liner notes uh, <laughs> and included those. Uh, including like a haiku uh, apologizing if the liner notes were not satisfactory, <laughs> and a quiz at the end worth 150 points. Just really kind of throwing everything I had at it, and it was great. I sold eight copies, which was great. There, that was the there was a pay version with the liner notes that was 50 cents, okay. which uh, was what I felt it was worth. <laughs> and then there was the free version, which has been downloaded a few more times than that. But. Right, as it would be sure. But that's where we got uh, my parody, Brains, and uh, Real Ultimate Powers on there, which has actually been a real crowd pleaser at shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my Scientology rap.
2: <laughs> yeah, because you, you do some serious stuff. Actually, Agro Control, I wanted to ask you about. That's
3: the, the only serious song I've probably ever written.
2: And it was interesting. Did you see the study this week that came out? That uh, I guess it was published in the British Medical Journal. But they did a decade-long study of over eleven thousand children in the UK and found no association between playing video games from as young as five and mood or behavioral problems in later life. I didn't see that. And so that, that study came out, like you know. And I had just listened to that song, and I was like, "Wow!" I wonder if MC One Seventeen has seen this and what
3: he would think of that.
2: Being now, to be that,
3: fair. I also don't believe in Scientology, but I argued on behalf of it in that
2: EP. Well, because it was a debate EP. Yes. Yes, and it it very much feels like you were taking, if not devil's advocate, you were certainly taking a side. And you even say to yourself, hey, I'm not hating here.
3: Yeah. You say that in
2: the song, but you do kind of question the fact if, you know, you let your your five-year-old play GTA if it's going to have a negative effect.
3: Yeah, and that's really the thing is like, I, I believe in active parenting, is really what it is. I had a pretty long leash, but it's because my mom knew that she could trust me to make good decisions. She taught me how to make good choices, mm-hmm. and then she kind of let me loose to go make them. Uh, and I appreciated that. So I love violent video games, but you need to understand who the child is and if that's going to have a real effect on them. Right.
2: I agree. And, you know, Gordon and I are both parents, too. And so that's something that I know that we've. We discuss on occasions like, ah, do you, what do you let your kids play? Or can they play this game? Can they play online with other people? You know, where are the lines? And it's always, it's a sliding scale as your kids get older.
4: But Yeah, and, they... and depending on the kid too, and the parenting style, T- Steve tends toward the parenting style of, uh, eh, whatever, as long as they don't burn the house down. And oh. my parenting style is more <laughs> like locking them in the basement, don't let them touch anything.
3: Yeah, I don't have any children yet, but when I do, I, I have the feeling I'll be the kind of parent that won't. Tell them that computers exist until they're <laughs> at least like 12 or 13. Just no screens in the house, just no te- Just Mennonite, you know, kind of.
2: Their their only entertainment will be a dog eared copy of hey, man, The think... little, little House on the Prairie.
3: No, I'll give them Ayn Rand. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 ah, great. So you're starting them out on Bioshock early.
3: <laughs> I have a song about that. <laughs> do you? A Bioshock yes, song? I do have a Bioshock song. It's uh, Transmonger for What? It's on Rhymes Against Humanity. Oh, okay. Yes, it's all about gene splicing. Fantastic. And I actually, uh, I subtly reference Ayn Rand in it. Uh, <laughs> that'll be, that'll be my, the, the bonus for people who listen to this podcast is now that you will know that there is a subtle Ayn Rand reference in Transmographer What, my gene splicing song. Uh, I mentioned the Fountainhead uh, in there. No, here is actually, this is the nerdiest. So I, I go deep with the nerdy. Uh, it's the same song, actually, I'm thinking of. Transmographer What, it's about gene splicing. And it starts with a quote from... Superman,
2: uh, right, right, right. Okay, where yeah.
3: Lex, Lex Luther is talking about his molecule chamber. Uh-huh. Uh Lex Luther, of course, played by Gene Hackman, and it closes with a quote from Willy Wonka, played by Gene Wilder. So, uh, Gene my splicing. My I, song about Gene. Yeah, I see so, what you did there. Yeah, that's how nerdy it gets.
2: <laughs> um. Okay, so then uh, I think the next time I saw you was the 9th of November show here in that Redmond. Was fun. Where you played uh, again with Cloth and Pop. Uh, Johnny Nero was here. Yes,
3: Johnny Nero killed it. And then there was uh, a guy named Turtlesaurus because we had another band that had to back out at the last minute. So we mm. just. Uh, Claude and Order. Clop found Turtlesaurus, but he found this guy. Uh, I was supposed to open, but then uh, we got Turtlesaurus, and man, he sure opened that show. <laughs> and then uh, they called me up, but he was still clearing up. And uh, Josh introduced me. He's like, and the very funny. MC-117, and my first song was going to be a serious song. It wasn't actually a joke song. Uh, And Turtle Source was still getting all of his, you know, six keyboards and pile of wires off the stage. And so I was just standing up there with a microphone. So I did the only thing I could think of. I asked if anybody in the crowd knew how to beatbox, and I just handed them the mic. Uh, Yes, I recall that. Yeah, and he was great. He actually brought the house down, Uh, really saved it.
2: Yeah, my Um, kids had a—we brought the whole family to that show. That was pretty darn cool. It uh, was—we were able to let them listen to Death Star without it actually scarring them for life.
4: Oh, they didn't do any of the uh, dirty songs? No, they did not do (laughs) your mom. They didn't do your mom? They did did not do your mom. They did
3: some strategic edits. (laughs) That's something that I really appreciated, actually. There was a a lady there who said— you know, that she was bringing some of her, her Girl Scouts to that show. Mm-hmm. And something that, you know, I don't try and rub people's faces in it, but I always, all my work is clean. Just because someday I'm going to have a son and someday he's going to find my music and then he's going to perform my music for my mom. And I do <laughs> to die of embarrassment.
2: I love the fact that you've given it that much forethought. I mean, we we haven't even come to grips with the fact that some point our kids are going to discover 108 episodes of the Bone Bat Show.
3: Well, yeah. how many more between now and then?
4: <laughs> well, they get cleaner as the episodes go on, so I hope that they go, you know, newest to oldest. Reverse
2: chronological order. <laughs> yeah. We are a little more polished, I guess.
4: Just, I always wanted it
2: to
3: be approachable by everybody. Right.
2: Well, the, uh, also, that night, I picked up your uh, The Legal Gray Area album Yes, for the first of your EP. Exactly, which, because uh, I
3: can't sell it. Right. So I list it for suggested donation because of that uh, satire parody issue.
2: Exactly, but yeah, that again—that is another great batch of tunes there as well. Uh, Rapture Violence is on that one.
3: Yes, it is. Uh, Rapture Violence, which Josh stole from me and put on his album. <laughs> so I—I I don't know if you had heard that story, but I went over. It was the same recording session, I think, that we did. Um, oh gosh, what else did we do? We, it was right around the same time that we did Bulbasaur, and I played the song for him. He said, like, "That's really great. Can I have it?" <laughs> 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 so like yeah, all right, You know, I appreciate what you're doing for me. So he took my song and he put it on his album and he was kind enough to let me do the hook. Oh, that was sweet of him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a real peach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's actually been a huge proponent of my work. I appreciate everything he's done for me. So I was, I was glad to give him that song. But his argument was that he did a better impression of uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Ah, okay.
2: Now, so then uh, I guess the, the next thing that I discovered was VPC2. Where yes. you paired up with Johnny Nero early Johnny this year. Johnny Nero, action hero, yeah. And action we played.
3: He's yeah. he yeah. amazing. He's an incredible guy.
2: And we played Free Nerd on our VPC show. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. That you know, was fantastic. I you
3: guys for that because that is not a short song. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> that is an 11 minute song. But again, it I just, I, yeah.
2: I love the, when you do that, you have a knack for taking songs that we all know because we grew up with them or whatever and then putting just the great twist a lot of times it's why didn't i think of that you know free nerd that's perfect and then you add great lyrics to it and it's got the chip tune intro i mean it just was so well done and i so much appreciated
3: that version of the song just Thank really you. spoke to me very cool stuff i really appreciate you saying we so i pressured johnny into doing that because i'd had the idea and i flirted to him he said no no it's impossible we'll never do it and i, I kind of just kept leaning on him because i knew he wanted to try that song someday mm-hmm. in his chip Tunes work. And so I, I kept bugging him to do it uh, until eventually he agreed. But uh, but I don't know if you noticed, but we basically got Death Star to write that song for us <laughs> because all three of them are in
2: it. Right. Well, th- this is great because then you get to the end, you know, you're, you're three or four minutes in, and then all of Death Star starts appearing tra- in right. trading lines. And it's just like, whole, you know, when you're friends of all these bands, that was just the coolest thing ever for, to just have it all come out like that.
1: Yeah, and then
3: it, it ends with, what is it, like a five-minute scratching solo from Bill Bates? <laughs> right, right, Longest scratch solo in any track ever. Um, like we, that was just like our, that was our swan song. We just kind of wanted to troll the VPC with that. And if anybody actually liked it, that was kind of a bonus.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, very cool stuff. We
3: loved that. And you did a yeah. couple other songs in the VPC that were strong, too. You know, VPC, I loved working with Johnny because it was so experimental. Now, I've got a new song that I just sent to you guys, uh, which I understand we're going to be playing in a minute here, uh, which I originally did for VPC 1, where I was paired up with Project Zero, who Mm -hmm. is great, by the way. I love him. He did the beat for Inhuman 117. He put that whole song together, and he's amazing. But he's very rigid in what he will and will not take on. So for round five for VPC 1, I sent him this track, and he basically just said... Nah, I'm not feeling this one. I'm not going to submit anything. And it was the last track. I was like, we've done four. This has been like, what do you mean? He's like, nah, I I don't feel comfortable submitting anything I'm not proud of. And so I said, tell you what, just submit the beat that you made so that we have something. And so he did. And then a couple hours later, I recorded my version of it on that beat. And then I submitted it to the VPC saying, oh, sorry, we forget to give you the final version. Here it really is. Uh, and so they released that uh, in round five of the competition, but it was a mess because I cannot produce, so it was just <laughs> it was just butchered together. But you were able uh, to complete the cha- the five
2: song challenge, we which were. was the, and actually the key. We came
3: in, um, we came in, I think eighth place, okay. uh, the first year, um, and around the same the second year, but there were twice as many entrants, so I felt good about that. But but that was what was so nice about Johnny is because he's so experimental. Every time I threw an idea out, he was already one step ahead, saying, "Oh, what if we spun it like that?" And so we got just these crazy experimental songs. And I loved it. I loved working with him. He's a tremendous musician. Really appreciate the opportunities I have to see him live. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who leaves it all out there. Like he destroys any stage that he's on. So I've, there's a lot that he inspires me in.
2: Yeah, he's fun to watch. I've seen him a couple times well. And it's always a pleasure to see him on stage.
3: Plus he does songs about Doctor Who. So that's a, <laughs> that's a very quick way. See, I'm
2: not that kind of nerd. As Adam Warrock says, I don't watch Doctor Who. <laughs>
3: I I hate Adam Warwick so much. (laughs) Why, jealousy hate him or what? No, so you said, wishing that you thought of every idea I've had over the last (laughs) year, I will Google and he has done it. I had an idea for a song about Downton Abbey and he did that. Uh, I had an idea for doing a parody of Blurred Lines called Nerd Lines. He'd already done it and it was amazing. He just produces such a volume of high quality work. Yeah, he's he's a volume.
4: He works in volume. Because it's
3: not just that it's a lot. It's that it's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, he's done
2: like a couple of songs this week. Uh, He released a song with Beefy, the Febreze Bros. Did you hear that one? He probably released a song about dragons too. And then there was another song that just came out uh, like today, I think. So yeah, he definitely leaves a wide swath
3: behind. That guy's so talented though. Did you see him at the pack stage? Yeah, he was fantastic. Oh, so good. Yeah, he taught
2: my son some new bad words. It was fantastic.
3: I, I'm surprised that there are any left to teach.
2: <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Rhymes Against Humanity. Now, your new yeah. album
3: just hit back in it's, June, it's so it's still pretty fresh. Album. How did that come together? So originally I was opposed to doing full-length albums, and it's, I mean, even in terms of full-length, it's only eight tracks, and one of them is fake. I don't know if you've listened to the whole thing, but yeah, track but you eight, could,
2: you, you, Yeah, you've got uh, Wheelie Cyberman on there, right. man. You're able to say that. He guessed it on your album.
3: He did. He did guest on my album. Now, did he actually
2: leave that on your answering machine?
3: Yes. uh, (laughs) That's fantastic. I don't think he knew what I was going to do with it. (laughs) I did not ask him for permission to do that with it. What did Uh, he say after the fact?
2: Uh, You certainly sent him an album. I did not. No? Oh, you got to take care of that,
3: man. I'm a little <laughs> embarrassed about it. I had this idea for an amazing track that did not come together. And so I had to kind of scramble at the last minute for something. And that's what I came up with. So I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I don't know what the protocol is for trolling your own fans. Like I said, I, I make music for me. And if other people like it, that is great. But ultimately, I am I am my audience. Don't get me wrong, I would sell out in a second. I would sell out in one second. If like Tide came to me and said we want you to do a track for our new detergent, I would do it for a dollar. Like I I have no pride that way. But as long as no one's paying me, why not do what I like? So sure.
4: but actually it's been- I think this is important to interject that Steve and I will also sell out. So if you have an opportunity. Yeah.
3: No, <laughs> both ways. Just networking it. So,
2: you know, uh, I I don't blame you though. I mean, to be honest, this I've never admitted this before. Gordon didn't know he was on the first three episodes of the podcast. He he kept <laughs> one. He, he was wondering why I kept asking him questions about what he thought about things.
4: Yeah, it was so strange. You actually wanted my opinion instead of just hurling dick jokes
3: at me. <laughs> Starting every call with "This may be recorded for quality purposes." <laughs> Oh that uh, law wasn't
2: around then. Oh no.
3: <laughs> that was 6 years ago, man. So I I believe in producing reasonably good content at very low prices. So it's like don't kill yourself trying to do something perfect. So you're like don't the Walmart of nerdcore? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um so I started the album with a budget before I had anything else. I said, I don't want to spend more than $50 to make this thing, to make physical copies. Okay. And so I reverse engineered how to create an album that I thought was actually pretty good quality for $50. And then I said, okay, you know, how many tracks do I want to put on it? And I knew I wanted to sell it for five bucks because everybody sells albums for 10. And for me, that's like, so there's almost 100% overlap in the nerdcore scene between people who are fans of the music and people who create the music and people who are broke. Like that <laughs> Venn diagram is almost just one circle. So I knew if I was gonna sell anything, I was gonna to have to sell it for less than $10. So I picked this price point and kind of worked backwards from there for how to put it together. But I just, I wanted it to be something that I would really like to just stick in the car and play. So it's got a little bit of everything on it. It's got some parody, it's got some original, it's got a country song, it's got really Cyberman on it. I, I really appreciate the people who were willing to guest on the album. Mm. Um, just a lot of people that I respect uh, were willing to, to do some bars. Poverty Man's on it and he's, he's amazing. Uh, and MC Escher's on it, completely showing me up on my own track, which is great.
2: <laughs> Inhuman 117, of course, is on that yes. album,
3: which you've already then, heard. Uh, so My duet with Cosplay is on that album, which was also from The Debate Battle. That was his mm-hmm. final track, and I liked it so much better than mine that I wanted to re-record it with him and oh, put cool. it on my album. So that is Cosplay's diss track about me that I have turned into a duet with him. That's uh, uh, just not great.
2: And if you pick that up now, you also get... The Legal Gray Area album with it, correct? That's, you buy a physical copy, for 10 bucks,
3: if you buy a physical copy of Rhymes Against Humanity, I will mail you a copy of the Legal Gray Area album.
2: Now, for our listeners now, one of the key cool things that MC-117 does is his ingenious origami slipcases for his CDs. It is the coolest thing. Again, it's like, why hasn't anybody thought about that before? Because when I got the Grey album, I just thought,
3: this is badass. Thank you. I, I don't want to name the performer, but I opened for a guy who had his CDs there and they were just in plain jewel cases and they were, you know, Memorex CDs that he had written on in Sharpie, uh, the name of his album, you know, and it was just, it didn't feel like it respected the audience. And I wanted to sell something that respected the money that was spent on it, you know, to say, you know what, you're spending $5 of harder money on this. I want to show you that I respect that money. And so I put work into the presentation of this. Mm-hmm. So the Legal Grey Area album, that's some origami that I found and kind of modified for my album. Rhymes Against Humanity is actually a fold that I invented myself. Nice. So I was very pleased with that. I probably went through another $50 just worth of paper figuring that fold out before the $50 I spent on producing all the albums. But... Uh, <laughs> Mostly it was scrap paper, so I, I it was like yeah, waste bins overflowing all over your house. I, <laughs> my wife was not pleased. Were, <laughs> it was not a good day for the paper people. It was it was some kind of carnage. A bad paper. day for trees. That's right. It was, <laughs> my albums are not environmentally friendly. They're, they're. I guess they're biodegradable. Well, there's biodegradable. that. Sure. Yeah. But the thing that makes me saddest about uh, the new album is that I, I got it on this very nice kind of ritzy resume paper that looks kind of like parchment. And if you take a photograph of it, it just looks like plain paper. You can't see it all. (laughs) It's got this nice, rich quality to it. So it looks super cheap if you ever take a picture of it.
2: (laughs) Anyway, so what's next for MC-117, man? You've had a big year already. What are you working on going forward?
3: I just put out a song for Desert Bus for Hope Desert Bus for Hope is a fundraiser for Child's Play charity, which uh, donates uh, toys and games to sick kids who can't leave the hospital, and they just have to be there the whole time, and they don't have anything to do, and they go crazy, and they're facing life-threatening situations. This charity provides them with toys and games, because you can't donate toys to hospitals because of germ concerns. You have to buy new, Mm -hmm. so they won't accept donations of used things. So this charity goes and buys all the new games and things that normally they wouldn't be able to get. So Desert Bus for Hope is done by the Loading Ready Run folks. They do checkpoint the show on Penny Arcade, and every year they do a charity gameathon where they play Desert Bus, which is arguably the worst game of all time for Sega CD. <laughs> Penn and Teller made this game, and it's a simulation of driving a bus from Tucson to Las Vegas. So it's 8 hours of driving 45 miles an hour on a straight road with no traffic and no one in the bus. The bus has a slight drift to the right, so you have to keep correcting the trajectory or you'll crash. <laughs> And they play this until people stop donating money. So last year they played for over six straight days. And they have all kinds of great contests and phoning guests. Granty Mahara from Mythbusters called in lately. And Molly Lewis, uh, Seattle's ukulele darling, has actually been visiting them up there. And just a wonderful community has grown out of it. So I wrote a song for them. It was a parody of Thrift Shop. I called it Bus Stop. And it was uh, kind of an anthem for their drive, with a lot of references to previous years of the drive. This is their seventh year, and they've raised over a million bucks so far. Bless their hearts. Uh, And so I I sent that off to them recently, and uh, that's been getting a lot of play up there, which has been great. I'd like to do another album, but I kind of got to let it percolate for a while. Writing parodies takes a long time. Bust Up probably took me two months to write, because I'm very anal Mm -hmm. about how I write parodies. I like to have the same sort of general feel. I like to copy the actual rhymes, and I like to copy the internal rhymes of the line as well, Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of mimic the words and assonance. So I construct them very slowly. And I like to pick and choose because especially now, and it's been more so over the last couple of years, any new song that comes out and that is a big hit already has a thousand parodies on YouTube. Right. I like to pick my songs that I parody very carefully. Pick some things that people might not think of, but that seem obvious in retrospect. That's the goal. Okay. So uh, I've got some songs that are done. I've got some songs that are kind of midway, and I've got some that are just in my head. Uh, but I'd like to put out another album in 2014. I'm not sure if uh, I'll have anything left musically to say after that. Maybe I'll just go back to my coffeehouse music.
2: <laughs> well, maybe we'll be up to episode 117 by then, and we can have you back,
3: man. That would be a real treat.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, one question we always ask all of our guests here on the show, MC117,
3: what pisses you off? Hmm. Squandered potential. Uh, (laughs) When I see like either, uh, you know, a movie idea or a TV show idea where it's like, that is such a great concept. Uh, Waterworld, where you created something that conceptually was brilliant and then you disrespected in the execution that's what i really hate because now not only did you create something bad but no one else can do that thing you've you wasted wrecked it for everybody <laughs> else
2: yeah. yeah especially when it's
3: something yeah that was that much of a failure or considered yeah. that no much of a else failure water world movie now even though the world itself was really cool so that's what i hate okay Useful. that was a good one yeah all
2: right man well why don't you lead us into our final tune now this is a brand new song you're this debuting
3: this on the Bone Bat Show, right? It's correct. No one has heard this song before anywhere ever except here in my studio, which is not really a studio. It's just the room where my li- wife lets me record music uh, <laughs> so that I don't do it in the living room. But, Fantastic. Uh,
2: well, we are totally honored that you're debuting yes, it here.
3: This is Year of the Dragon. I love dragons. When I was young, I wrote a book about how much I love dragons when I was in elementary school. I was obsessed with them. The first fantasy book I ever read was Dragonlance, Dragons of Autumn Mist, or I don't remember what it was. Weiss and Hickman, right? Autumn Twilight, yes, that's the one. Dragons of Autumn Twilight. So uh, I've always had a thing for dragons, and I don't think that there are enough good songs about dragons, so I wrote a song called Year of the Dragon, which is just about my love affair with dragons. So I tried to write it for VPC1. It went poorly. And so I took it, I completely reworked it, I rewrote it, and I got a beat from Pajama Sam, which was an abandoned beat for VPC2, actually. He just said, does anyone want this? And I dibbed it immediately. Because <laughs> um, it's a brutal beat. It's amazing. And so I put it together, and this is the first time anyone's going to hear it. All right, well, let's check it out. Take what they want, hoarded. Kingdoms conquered, damsels courted, heroes thwarted, quickly sorted into kindling cords. It's morbid, more assorted Machinations making statements so contorted. Take 'em on and die like thwarted. Burning nation is awarded.
1: D-R-A-G-O-N-S. They leave the ladies so impressed. D-R-A-G-O-N-S. They leave the ladies so
3: impressed. Yeah, checking out the wings. I'm seeing them stare. Don't care if it's a grunt or a table tear. Night crispies in that cave for laughs. Roll six. 10 and safe a half. Always down for what I'm after. Look like Falco. Falco, bling like Fafna, coils and claws and conflagration. Eight throats means hydrohydration. Pass around drinks, and I'm catching the bottle. When the crystal clings, come and catch a coaddle. Cause the high can't stop. and rock that flagging. Oh yes, yeah, the, the year of the dragon. 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 Yes, yeah, the year of the dragon. The dragon.
1: Someone stop it's these it's people it's from it's yelling dragon. <laughs>
3: I could be a mythic monster Call me an imposter Get me on the roster Wanna be the boss Scales tick, gloss Floss with a lance at to blanch And the prince with a mint sauce Hustle every day Call me Rick Ross Rolling around on the ground Like I'm flipped from a hip toss Swimming in coins Like I'm duckville proper Give me no copper Gold in the locker Do it for the whore That's the story I saw With my shorty And I'm pouring out a 40 a claw In a pungent dungeon Something breathing Face consumption From a sheevin Even though I reason That I'm being kinda heathen When I sleep in, Cause I'm dreaming of achieving high. i mean, Can't you see into the smoke I ain't taking a drag like. Sp- Spike with my dragon, dragon, dragon Why Refuse to acknowledge they do not exist, calling dragaholics anonymous as I frolic in the automist, caught a bit in all of this, call me an apologist, stony eyes stare like you're talking to a cockatrice, face a red death, get your head left, back when you were fed breath, peck, you said that you were dead set, now you're headless, so you won't be seeing other five heads up, yo what's up? It's Tiamat! E-R-A-G-O-N-S, they leave the ladies so impressed, dragoness is all up on it, materia girl, just call me Bahamut, tail like a comet, fiery smell like smog from the swath of a crimson hell. I'd swell not to ride this bandwagon cause it's the year of the dragon. Yes yeah, right. oh uh, shit uh, yeah, the year of the dragon
2: once again, the world premiere of Year of the Dragon by MC117. I hope you dug it. Thank you again so much to MC117 for joining us on the show. I wonder if he has a nickname. It's kind of a mouthful saying MC117 every time. You think they call him like Machine? Like MC or like 117 or, you know. Nobody calls Cosplay Cosplay. He's Cos. Nobody calls 3PO. Well, I guess
4: they call him Nobody calls Steve Hollett Steve Hollett. They just call him Asshole.
2: (laughs) Thank you for that. Sure. It's a pleasure working with you. I know it is. <laughs> so, dude, multimedia triage.
4: Multimedia triage. What have you been
2: digging on in the last month? It's been a little while. Had it? some time to to run up a few medias.
4: A few medias. <laughs> he go out, got the medias to tell our listeners about. Here's the medias I got for you. Okay. I read a pair of graphic novels. They are a pair. They come together. It's a two part set. By it, boxers and saints. By Jean Lewin. Have you heard of this? I have not. What is it? Okay, it's uh, a paragraphic novel set during the Boxer Rebellion in China.
1: Hmm.
4: Okay. And one is told from the perspective of a villager who gets caught up in the rebellion, who becomes one of the boxers, and his story. And the second book, their stories overlap just a little bit. Is Her story is about a girl, another villager, who ends up on the other side of the coin who ends up with the British with the foreigners with the Christians sort of on their side so as you can imagine it's not a particularly happy tale for for anybody but it's a really cool way to learn about this little period of time that's nothing more than really a footnote on a world history quiz for most high school students okay it's mostly it feels real however there's the supernatural bent to it where the the character in the first book who becomes one of the boxers, he and his cohorts sort of channel these Chinese spirits that are powerful, and he himself starts channeling a a previously unknown spirit. Part of the story is him figuring out who the spirit he's channeling is. When they go to fight, these warrior spirits take over them. And the girl story, the saint is that she starts seeing Joan of Arc and trying to take advice from this vision of Joan of Arc that she gets. And uh, Worlds Collide, Foxers and Saints by Gene Lewin. It's a, it's a hell of a read. You should check it out.
2: Cool, yeah, that sounds really good. You know, uh, actually, I, I read a couple of things, too. Uh, I read, we talked about uh, John Scalzi the uh, last couple of episodes. Uh, I had read the book and you read the book. I read the sequel to old man's war uh, ghost brigades oh, cool. and uh again i know that you were a little bit lackluster on old man's war but uh i was let
4: down i, I feel like it was oversold
2: i really liked ghost brigades uh, it kind of takes up shortly after old man's war left off but it pretty much is new characters uh, It's the story of there's this uh guy charles Bowton who ends up being a traitor to the humans And so he creates a clone of himself in secret that he is trying to use in some way to sabotage the colonial union. And uh, the transfer doesn't take. And so they basically make this clone into a soldier. They integrate him into the uh, the Ghost Brigade. In Old Man's War, uh, the elderly could decide at a certain age to leave their bodies and become soldiers in outer space, which is pretty fun. But there was a certain group that uh, never had the previous life behind them; their consciousness was just brought to life, and you know they're ten days old and they're already fighting. They're been inserted in the clone. The uh, protagonist, Jared, is inserted immediately into the special forces and expected to fight. And so it's his story. Uh, Pretty interesting story. Uh, I thought it was a good continuation of the story, and I would recommend it. Now, since you didn't love Old Man's War, I don't know if you would really enjoy it.
4: I'm not sure what to say about that, but I liked it quite a bit. You know, not since Dead Girl. Have we given one piece of media this much attention over this many episodes? <laughs>
2: no, Probably not. Uh, and then I also knocked out a couple of John Grisham books. Uh, I read a book called The Appeal. Now, I'm just going to spoil The Appeal because it pissed me off so badly. You do it. It's the story of these lawyers in a small town in Mississippi, and this town has had this chemical company dumping a bunch of shit in the woods, in the water table for years. And so the whole town has like these vast cancer clusters. And so this couple of lawyers, this young couple, they go to war and they get a huge ruling against the uh, company. And so the guy who owns the company and many other companies, who's mega rich, he pays for a new judge to be added to their Supreme Court. And the judge comes in, and overturns the ruling, and the cancer people completely lose. I was so pissed off by
4: the end of this book. I was like, why the fuck did I read that? What a vast, vast disappointment. He's come full circle. What was the, That's like uh, the anti-pelican brief.
2: Yeah, exactly, where the good guys lose, and here is your kick in the balls after 400 pages.
4: But it it was, once again, this rich guy, Supreme Court angle.
2: Yeah. So then after that, I was so annoyed and I read the next book, The Associate. Now, this one was about this guy who he's the top law student in his class. So very much like the firm, he's getting ready to choose between several law firms. And this group comes to him and says they're threatening that he has to go to a certain law firm. If he doesn't go to that law firm for his employment, they're going to release this video out of his past. And so he goes to that law firm with the expectation that he is going to steal files from a big military government case that's coming up and give them to the other team. So definitely much more like the firm, a lot of espionage and stuff going on, a lot of pressure being applied. Much better read than The Appeal. Fuck The Appeal.
4: The Associate,
2: (laughs) pretty fun.
4: Wow. You know, it's been a while and you read a lot of books and I basically read two large comic books. (laughs) The reason for that is I started reading a book. Well, I talked about on the last episode that book about Jerusalem, and I got way, way into reading this ancient history book. But then I got distracted thinking about one of the figures in history that they they touched on. So then I started reading a biography of him, and I got about halfway through that. And then I got another book, and now I'm reading that book, and it's a it's a history book as well. I just got way too much history going on to actually complete a single book
2: (laughs) well I actually read some graphic novels too I completed the fables graphic novel series to date oh I just finished volume 18 so I can now give an overview of fables and after reading 18 volumes I have to say that I think it is almost as good as Sandman There's some great stuff there. Every story arc is not fantastic. If I was going to give a couple of quick recommendations, I would say read uh, Volume 1, Legends in Exile, which kind of lays the groundwork. uh, Basically, the fables from all the nursery rhymes and fairy stories and Grimm's fairy tales and all those that you know have grown up and are living in a neighborhood in New York.
4: Now, do you need to read these books in order, or can you read number one and number six and number... I
2: think you can. Each volume starts out with a what happened last time sort of thing, so you can kind of catch up that way. And while there is an overarching story that covers the whole series, there are so many fables that there are a lot of little side stories that certainly add flavor and color to the universe but don't necessarily go anywhere in the longer arc so i think you can cherry pick a little bit and get your feet wet and see what the story is about without necessarily ruining it for you and if you do decide wow this is really for me and read the whole story the reading experience will be that much richer for you that said it's a long series and not all fables volumes are created equal so i can tell you what the high points are and you can choose for yourself Legends in Exile, the first five-issue trade bind-up, is a great introduction to the series. March of the Wooden Soldiers, Volume 4, is fantastic. Volume 6, Homelands, is great. And then uh, volumes 14, 15, and 16, Witches, Rose Red, and Super Team, are fantastic. Really great stuff. Volume 18, Cubs in Toyland, which was the very last, is really dark. It's really good, but it's kind of, it left me almost depressed. (laughs) So, it's kind of like, I I don't know, I just wanted to move on to the next volume. But there's definitely, you know, up and down quality, and they often change the types of stories that they are. So... You know, you have like high Lord of the Rings fantasy going on in a lot of it. Sometimes you have fairy stories. Sometimes you have like the gritty noir type stuff in the early volumes. So they mix up what type of tale that you're that you're reading. And Cubs in Toyland, the last one I mentioned, borders on horror. It's pretty twisted stuff. Mm. So for the most part, great series. I really enjoyed it. Those are the high points. The one thing I would say is, Volume 13, The Great Fables crossover, is a piece of shit. And you should probably, I mean, if you're reading the whole series, you're going to read it. But I hated every moment of that book and just wanted it to move on. And it was so obviously a crossover with Jack of Fables that he was kind of shoehorning and trying to pack it together. I didn't like it at all. So that's my note about that. Anyway, that's leading into, I finished the first chapter of Wolf Among Us, the Telltale Games Fables
4: video game. You love those guys.
2: Yeah, and this one is very similar to Walking Dead. Great story. The art looks beautiful. Still has the kind of bad combat. You're playing Bigby Wolf, and you start the thing, the woodsman is roughing up this hooker. And then... A few days later the hooker shows up dead. And so Big B Wolf, it's his job as the sheriff of Fabletown to try to find the killer. And so he's going around investigating and interviewing people. And I you know I hadn't realized how much I missed that game mechanic from LA Noir. That's the thing I enjoy. I enjoy being a detective and trying to find out who did it in a video game. That's really fun to me. You're like one of the Hardy Boys. But you're doing that, and then all of a sudden you get in, like, a bar fight. And you have the shitty, like, I, I wasn't ready to have to start moving my mouse around real fast because I've been doing this very deliberate thinking about everything I say thing. So I still don't love the combat, but I really love the story. There's a fantastic, shocking Cliffhanger At the end of the first chapter Particularly for people who aren't caught up on the story And I can't wait to see where it goes next So definitely Wolf Among Us by Telltale Games is great And I heard that Walking Dead They just came out with a Game of the Year edition for that For all the consoles So if you haven't played that You can get it at a good price now definitely a time to check that game out because it was really good and I hear that uh, they're coming out with uh, Walking Dead 2 continuing the story from that game so that's gonna be pretty cool as well
4: right on well another uh, time suck in my life of course the video game previously mentioned XCOM enemy within this is the add-on material to the XCOM game that came out what a year ago two years ago yeah I think you have to own the original in order to play this one, so it's pretty expensive extra content. Generally, I'm opposed to that price model, but in this case, I think it's worth it. There's a lot of replay value in this. They've added a whole extra layer of things you have to worry about and strategic decisions that have to be made because there is some shadowy terrorist organization that's undermining your efforts. They're, They're in league with the aliens. And so not only do you have to keep worrying about building your base and which technologies to research and then actually equipping your units and sending them out to to fight and not getting them killed, you're going back and forth between the tactical decisions and the strategic decisions, but you've also got to spend money to scan, to look for areas on the map where these underground cells are operating. And once you find one, then you send in an operative, you take one of your soldiers and outfit them knowing they're going to have no armor, nothing better than the pistol to work with. And then they they just disappear from your group for a period of time. About a week later, you've got to go do an extraction, and it's a special kind of mission, where you send in your combat soldiers, you meet up with this operative, who's now lightly armored, and you've got to fight, exalt these terrorists, while performing some other action as well, turning off some signal relays, turning on some signal relays essentially get to the chopper reunite them with the ship and take off and get out of there but the guys you're fighting are not easy to put down they're tough so you you got to go in loaded for bear and it's it's cool the very first time you encounter them it's a sort of a king of the hill situation where you've got two waypoints you've got to defend them for a certain period of time and, and take out all the enemies the next one your operative has to sneak across a map, turning some things on while your your main force is keeping the the ex-ult guys occupied. So th- that's a really cool thing to add. The other thing that they've added is that there are two new technology trees that you can research and spend your money on accordingly. One gives you essentially mechs, big mechanical suits. Assuming your soldiers don't mind having their legs and arms torn off and replaced <laughs> by metal bits, Then they just snap into these big mech suits where they've got a whole new progression of abilities that they can acquire and it's it's neat they did it in a a really cool fashion if you've got a sniper and you make your sniper a mech well then she's got snipery abilities that are mech related if you've got an assault and you want to make your assault a mech they have assaulty abilities so the whole thing is is well thought out well done and then the other technology tree is a genetic modification technology tree. And I don't know a lot about this because I chose the giant fighting robot path, as I am (laughs) wont to do. But as I understand it, you can have your units become more stealthy, more accurate, have all kinds of different inherent genetic abilities to them. And the way you make your mechs, or the way you make your genetic modifications, is you've got to go out and get these canisters in the maps. So when you're you're fighting a battle, when you're doing tactical decisions, Now, it's not just a question of keeping your squad together and covering everybody and have overlapping fields of fire and whatnot. You've got to actually move across the map quickly to secure these canisters because they're timed. And if you don't get to them by a certain number of turns, they self-destruct. You get no meld. You cannot make giant fighting robots. And that's no fun for anybody.
2: (laughs) Well, so what do you think of that as somebody who's played a good portion of this game? I mean, you played the game a couple of times through, right?
4: Yeah, that's
2: right. One of the things with XCOM has always been the way to beat that game is to be very slow and methodical and move your guys up and find cover and pick off alien enemies one by one and then move forward to the next way. And it's very slow and uh, deliberate. Whereas now with the meld, you have to kind of have it more of a sense of urgency to things.
4: Yeah, I love the and fact that so it adds that, it that whole another dimension to the game. Yeah, yeah, and you can't you can no longer have your sniper sit in the back and be sniping McSnipe. because if you do that, some invisible tentacled enemy is going to come up from behind them and choke them to death. There's uh, there's some new badass enemies you have to worry about as well. So it totally changes the style of play that you've gotten comfortable with. It keeps all the same core mechanics there. Tactical decisions affecting strategic decisions and vice versa. It's cool. The only gripe I have about it, and this is almost unforgivable, is that it needs a patch because it will occasionally hang. It's Xbox, for God's sakes. You know what the machine is, you know that. So it like hangs zeros in halfway through a mission and you lose an hour of gameplay like that. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's kind of unforgivable. So if you're playing it in Iron Man mode, where you can't have a bunch of saves, it will actually break your game. Oh,
2: what about and what about losing if you lose a guy?
4: Because yeah, it's, it's
2: total death in that game.
4: Right. Yeah. There's no going back. So, I've been playing it on a normal level, not Iron Man, this time through, because I wanted to see all the new stuff without dying halfway through it. So, I'm relatively okay, but still, you as long as you remember to save every half hour or so, you figure you're only going to lose half an hour. But it's hung in a place like once it hung when I was supposed to send my team in to extract my operative. I lost the intelligence the operative was bringing. I lost that unit. Oh, Oh, shit come on, really? They should have this stuff dialed in when they send the game out.
2: Yeah, I would think so. And
4: I looked online, people are complaining about it, it's not just me, which is what I always think at first. (laughs) So, fix that shit. But still, it's a good game. I mean, that's happened to me once, and my kid has been playing it a bunch, and it's happened to him twice, so it's not like it's happening all the time. Oh, that's good. Yeah, still. So, yeah, XCOM... Enemy Within, check it out. I'm liking it.
2: Speaking of video games, I actually did finish Grand Theft Auto V. You did? You finished the game? I finished it. I finished it like right after the last episode we did. And I got to say, you know what's funny about Grand Theft Auto V? That game is so big that nobody reviewed it properly. You know, some people reviewed it very early, like they hurried through it and they could give a few opinions, but it mostly hit. Like the high points, the heists, and the torture scene. And then like somebody like uh, Ben Kuchera from Penny Arcade, he said, Now, I didn't get an advanced copy, so I'm going to review Grand Theft Auto V like a book group. I'm going to do it a chapter at a time. He did two chapters, and then he just like lost interest in the game or whatever. And he's <laughs> never. It's been a month since his last update, and he's probably never going to finish it. So I just wanted to give a little wrap up. Uh, The game is fantastic. You get to do a lot of neat things in it. The heists are really fun. The driving around town and the racing is a blast. There's a lot of kind of sucky stuff you got to do or that you sort of find yourself in. Like anytime you have to fly anything is almost always a shitty experience. Flying helicopters in the game is no fun. It's too hard. Flying uh, airplanes is no fun because you're always just crashing into shit. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating than when you're playing a game and all, you're just trying to like land a plane and you have to try nine times to do it.
4: Yeah, and it stops being fun. You're like, yeah, oh, it's back yeah. To the fun part.
2: Right, and, and so that was not fun at all. And then like there was this one thing I got in where you this guy was taunting you to do these extreme sports things, and so you had to jump off a roof in downtown L.A. essentially, and land on the back of a flatbed truck. And that must have taken me 20 times to do. And I was so frustrated by the end of it. And so shortly thereafter, I finished the game. And the the ending, it has kind of a Goodfellas sort of an ending. So that was kind of fun. But I, it just exhausted me. And it was like when I finished the game, it turned out that there was like another mission after. And I just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, you were through. It was like I put it in the box and it's on the shelf. And I may go back and revisit it, and if they have any you know, uh, DLC, I might check that out. There really is a lot of gameplay value in it, and there's a, a ton of different things you're going to do. Like I didn't even play the in-game golf that there is. You can play golf in-game. You can play tennis in-game. There's a lot of stuff in-game that you can do that I didn't even really spend much time on. Uh, racing mountain bikes down mountains. There's a lot of stuff that, that I didn't even spend time on because I was more focused on the main story. So it's really worth the value, and especially when it comes out at some Game of the Year edition for like 30 bucks, Definitely check it out. But I did find it kind of wearing on me after a while, and there are certain parts that you can skip, and it really would just actually make it more fun in the long run. So that's my thought on Grand Theft Auto 5.
4: Well, okay, then. Speaking of uh, big blockbuster releases... Yeah? Yeah, I watched Ender's Game. Yeah, and what did you think? Let me tell you, this movie has been getting some pretty so-so reviews. And Is it it just
2: getting bad reviews because of the Orson Scott card cloud over it? Or is it legitimately based upon the film itself?
4: The bad reviews, I think... I cannot speak to the Orson Scott card thing because I don't know why... You know, people are giving it bad reviews. But the reviews I've read that are that are not wonderful say that the movie is awfully brooding. It's kind of dark. Yes! People, read the fucking book. It's a great movie. It's five stars. Really? If you read the book, if you like the book, you are not going to be disappointed by this movie. I really, really liked it. Not only were the special effects... And all the whiz-bang stuff, absolutely top-notch and a lot of fun just to take in visually. They didn't screw up the story. They didn't screw up the characters. It was cast really well. The actor that plays Ender is perfect for the role. My only quibble with the movie was so minor, I'm not even going to bring it up on this show. This was a great movie, and you should see it, especially if you like the book.
2: Was it a science quibble?
4: It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you see, the particle accelerator they used. <laughs> no, if you must know, there was a scene that was so vividly written, or at least vividly remembered by me, in the book that wasn't done the same in the movie. Hmm. It was Ender meets his uh, his sister after not seeing her for a long time, and. He's catching wasps and killing them as he's talking to her. And in the movie, he wasn't catching the wasps and killing them. Yeah. See, I, I kind of, I just, I wanted that. It was something I'd remembered from my childhood. I wanted it. I don't know why I wanted it. Maybe I hate wasps. But did, So but, did you take yeah.
2: your boys? I did. How did and they, they like it? got it. They, they liked it? hmm They did. Cool. Well, I took the kids to see Thor, the Dark World. Speaking of blockbuster films... Yes. I know you didn't, that's another one you didn't like. Yeah, I don't think you have a soul. You don't like anything good in life. There, I just I, said I like Ender's
4: Game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which everybody is saying is shitty. I don't know that. <laughs> I, I actually haven't read any
4: reviews. I don't know at all. I actually didn't realize it was out yet. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing about it. it. It was supposed to be like the movie of the century, and then it just came out. Yeah.
2: So Thor Dark World is a fantastic film for people who thought there wasn't enough Lord of the Rings in the first Thor movie. Okay, then. (laughs) So you get a bunch of that. You get these dark elves and this kind of epic battle thing that is literally straight out of the first Lord of the Rings movie. Like the intro part when they're telling about what happened to Isildur. It just lo- looks like that. But uh, when they get down to the the Thor stuff, uh, it's pretty fun. Tom Hiddleston is Loki. They kind of team up, and that's awesome. And also uh, Idris Elba as Heimdall is awesome in it as well. So there's plenty of fan service. The kind of side characters are back again, and they're quirky and funny. And it ends with this great big punch them up battle across nine worlds which is amazing so i thoroughly enjoyed it i would say check it out if you want a fun popcorn movie again you didn't like thor the first time i don't know what's wrong with you so maybe i it's thought so it was boring
4: to it be called bore
2: <laughs> but yeah i i liked it a lot it was fun there i would say that though that you know what it was a little long in the running time in the middle there was a period where they're kind of, you're thinking, okay, come on, pick it up. And they do. You know, it could have had a tighter running time, but I still liked it a lot. I thought it was fun. The kids liked it, too. All right, then. I think that's about it, man. We've been talking I think a long that's time. enough. Let's do another song. Okay. Now, we, we talked about this a little bit in the interview with MC-117, but... Uh, Don't Panic, the song that uh, he did with Cloth and Pop. Uh, This is a salute to, I know Gordon and I both have a real love for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books. Uh, Just appealed to us both from a science fiction and a humor standpoint. And the main tune that they sample here is the theme song from the BBC radio show of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy which I owned on cassette and I used to listen to when I was driving from LA to Wairika to visit my folks. So I really have a warm spot in my heart for this song so this is don't panic by cloth and pop and mc117
3: So that it had a universe disagreeing. See, the computer was our world, and the sum of its basics meant that organic life now formed a part of its matrix. At the time of four, two million years and let's bake this And every single human's just a speck in the cake mix Woke up this morning feeling locally threatened When my hoopy fruit void came and offered protection See, I didn't even know that a great answer beckoned After two million years went at the very last second Now the fogon constructively came down to wreck this Destroying the earth was just a box on a checklist In my wildest dreams, I could never expect this I've done six impossible things before breakfast we
0: Everyone ignore the exodus so Now I'm a hitchhiker I ain't got no home planet. Got a babel fish all up in my sympathetic. So know where your towel is and don't panic Everyone ignore the exodus so Now I'm a hitchhiker I ain't got no home planet. Got a babel fish all up in my sympathetic. So know where your towel is and don't panic your Smart ones just do what they're told With language control. Don't need to listen to them. They spoke at the poles. and they over the keys to this galactic miasma. Getting true from here to Z Zed, now plural's a doubt because I'm the president. But I got my own damn agenda on an endeavor to render the infinite comprehender's ultimate question and make the answer align. This ain't about philosophy, man, it's about that bottom line. Trekking, crossing these open spaces, looking for traces of stasis, cause the place I'm located in is in abomination. Trying to get some yeses and no's out of these maybes, but I always make time to shake hands and kiss babies. But You think I take orders from mice? That's a fallacy. This is my ship, and this is my fucking galaxy. That chick was Cuban, and she's trying to ruin my fun. Man, I got 42 problems, but a hitch ain't one. Everyone ignored the accident, so she had it. Now I'm a hitchhiker, I ain't got no home planet. Got a big old fish all up in my Titanic. So no way it's our list, and don't Hitchhiker, I ride, ain't got no home planet. Got a baleful fish, you're up in my stomach. So no way, yes, how it is, it's organic. I wish I was a little bit positronic. Feeling that a hypersonic soar or just a turbo lift door. Cause though my IQ's off the charts, I have to live with relegation. To just a metal porter, sometimes used for sanitation. Just look at me for peace' sake, they build me like a car wreck. And I've got about the same maneuverability as a Dalek. Is it anyone? or surprise I'm such a mess. When I'm just a toaster in disguise, God, I'm so depressed. I design I got the intellect, but aesthetically all wrong. Cause was made by serious cybernetics, not Dr. Noonan's song. And therein lies my problem, see I simply can't compete with these next generation androids who have made me obsolete. And life, don't talk to me about it, I can do without it. Now I lay me down to sleep, tried to count electric sheep, careful who you grab the hitch your photons are in town. And now I guess I'll just switch off before I bring you down. Everyone ignore the exodus so she Now I'm a hitchhiker, I ain't got no home planet. Got a babel fish, you up in my tympanic. So know when your out is, It's don't panic. Everyone ignore the exodus so she Now I'm a hitchhiker, I ain't got no home planet. Got a babel fish, you up in my tympanic. So know
4: where your talent is don't panic Patricia is my given name out here You call me Trillian Earth is signed away But yet nobody thought to fill me in Eclectic and eccentric with the widest of eyes Lost without a purpose in the darkest disguise I'll get up in your face Then I have a heart of gold This depressive droid and pretty boy Are starting to get old It was adventure that I sought And adventure that I got Reunited with the nerdy boy So fearful and distraught Questions, perspectives, love and probabilities Driving toward an answer while I'm filled with such uncertainty Kidnapped and stolen, reckless and strong The Vogons up there droning
0: and I know it won't be long Till we get it all together and I'm free to spread my wings
4: Settling at home, over exploring Saturn's rings Plan a kiss on Arthur and the boy is flabbergasted. All I really wanted was to go to Madagascar
0: Everyone ignore the accident, so she had it. Now I'm a hitchhiker, I ain't got no home planet. Got a bagel fish all up in my cinnabon, so no way it's how it is. And don't panic. Everyone ignored the accident, so she Now I'm a hitchhiker, I ain't got no home planet. Got a bagel fish all up in my semantic so no way it's how it is. And don't
1: panic. today. Whoa.
5: Comedy of Horrors Film Festival is the world's only film fest dedicated to the horror comedy genre. Although it is only entering its fourth year, it has already landed in Movie Maker Magazine's Top 5 Coolest Comedy Film Fest Worldwide. So how often can you be involved in something that's the top five coolest of anything? Well, right now, you can get involved in the top five coolest of this.
1: Golly, how can somebody like me get involved with something as cool as this?
5: Well, that, my friends, is way too easy. You can head over to Kickstarter.com. And look up Bone Bat, and you'll come right to the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival 2014 project page. From now until Thursday, December 19th, you can make a pledge to this project to help Stephen Gord put on this year's festival.
0: Wow, that is cool!
5: So, where's this festival, you ask? Well, takes place April 26th at Central Cinema in Seattle, Washington. I know, I hear you. What if you don't live in the Pacific Northwest? What's in it for me to pledge to Steve and Gord's project? Well, there's still plenty of great pledge packages for those of you who won't be able to attend the festival. And still know that you helped Steve and Gord reach their dream. No, no, not the dream about Morgan Fairchild and the guava jelly. Their dream to put on the Ultimate Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. For example, 10 bucks will get you posterage, the limited edition 2014 Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival poster and some thank yous. Hey, 15 bucks, get shirtage. You get the 2014 limited edition BBFF t-shirt plus a poster. And you still get a thank you. If you are going to be in the area, why don't you just kick up 25 bucks? Get ticketage. Ticket to the show. That's right. One ticket. It's going to be the lowest rate ticket you are going to get. And you know you got it supporting the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. And the goodies go on and on and on. Hey, for 100 bucks, you get the giant bone baggage. They call that their biggest sack yet. Who doesn't want the biggest sack? Well, for 100 bucks, you can have it.
0: But I don't want a big sack. I want a pony!
5: It'll be a comedy of horrors when that pony stomps in your skull. But speaking of ponies, head up to kickstarter.com and pony up your pledge for the 2014 Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. Comedy, horror, live music, that just adds up to a trifecta of fun, my friends. And for those of you saying to yourself, eh, I don't think so.
1: Death awaits you all with nasty big pointy teeth.
5: Once again,
2: Don't Panic by Cloth & Pop featuring MC-117 from the album Temptations of the Fresh from 2011. You can pick that up on the Cloth & Pop Bandcamp site. Good
4: place to pick it up.
2: Thank yous. I'd like to thank MC-117 for joining us on the show. Once again, you can pick up his stuff at MC-117.net. Be like us and support independent music. Also, thank you so much to Scott from the Focus on Metal podcast for the amazing Kickstarter promo he did for us. We absolutely are not worthy of his kindness. Thank you so much, Scott. We owe you one. And also, I'd like to thank all of the attendees of previous Bombat Film Festivals. Please take a look at our Kickstarter page. We'd really like to do it again with your help.
4: Please help us so we can help you.
2: Our usual bullshit. Show phone number is 425-296-6557, or you can email me via steve at bonehand.com. New content on bonehand.com, many Sundays, that's uh, where you might find the heavy half
4: hour on non-Bone Bat Weeks. And you can find my work such as it is at Mighty. Wombat.com I now have a Mighty Wombat Facebook page. Yes, you do. Yeah. It's uh, What is it? It's MightyWombat.com I mean, you've got to spell it out because somebody else had Mighty Wombat, apparently. Bastard. <laughs> on Facebook. And I Twitter in the Twitterverse at Mighty underscore Wombat. So you almost always
2: have the second tier handle on any new technology. Underscore Wombat. I know, isn't that sad? It'd be like if I was bone underscore hand. That just sucks. (laughs) (laughs) You can follow me on Twitter, I'm Bone Hand there without the underscore
4: bag.
2: (laughs) And we have a bone bat feed on Twitter as well, where you can keep up with all of our Kickstarter doings throughout this campaign, which will run the next uh, thirty days or so. Hey, you know um, about this
4: Kickstarter thing? Yes. We haven't even brought this up. We are an audio podcast, yes. But if you go to our Kickstarter site, <laughs> you can see a video and see what we actually look like.
2: What we actually look like? It's us acting like us, which, frankly, is terrifying. It
4: is obviously. <laughs> terrifying steve looks like a remarkably distinguished middle-aged man i look like a snaggletooth bug-eyed crack weasel
2: (laughs) you see (laughs) which i I am i thought i looked like a chubby balding burrito goblin
4: (laughs) balding burrito chubby sounds like something else it does I don't know. Maybe we are our own harshest critics.
2: (laughs) We probably should get out of here on that note. Again, thank you for listening. If you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. Our closing tune tonight from MC-117. Now, this is no secret that uh, Gordon and I are longtime fans of the Beastie Boys. So, it is an absolute pleasure to play a parody of one of their tunes. This is Brains by MC-117 from the EP... I Want to Be Debated from 2011. I hope you dig it. Once again, I'm Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one.
4: I do have a good one.
1: Brains. Yeah, all a
3: zombie wants is brains. And in the morning it's brains. Cause in the evening it's brains. They'll eat them out of your skull. And they won't stop until they fall. And there's no arguing with them. They'll eat your brain down to the sound. When they smell brains, there is no power that restrains. There's only one thing that sustains. A zombie and that need ordains. Brains. They'll go insane. And they'll all chase you down the lane. Until you trip in massive pain. Because you've had an ankle sprain. They're on you like snakes on planes. Tell them your head is like cocaine. They'll eat your noodle like chow They're one step up on the food chain. Sucking OUT YOUR CEREBRAL VEINS BRAINS They don't want money BRAINS They don't want power BRAINS They don't want kidneys BRAINS They don't want livers BRAINS Yeah, all a zombie wants is BRAINS From me and you, they want BRAINS You cannot argue, they want BRAINS
1: Brains, 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 brains,
3: brains,
1: brains, 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 brains. I thought you
3: were gonna play some songs. No, no, no. Yeah, we're not gonna
2: make you stay here. It's all smoke and mirrors. The songs will be there when. Kind of a
3: bummer. No one's a bigger fan of my work than I am.